Morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022. And the snow. Who, everybody ready to move south yet? We just started. I'm glad uh, for those of you who braved the snow. I'm glad for the people that are joining us online. It's kind of nice to have options. I like that there are uh, different ways to be a part of what God is doing here at Central uh, every Sunday. Um, so I kind of had to laugh a little bit. This is, I, I, I might have my count off a little bit, but this is the uh, third year in a row that I've preached the Sunday after New Year's. And I'm not going to name names, but there is a certain family in this church that uh, gives me a hard time because my sermon after New Year's is always about the importance of reading God's Word. And they laugh at me because they think I recycle my sermons every year and just read the one that I, read la- that I did last year, which I promise I haven't done before. Uh, but I don't know, it's just kind of on my mind. Like, I usually start a new reading plan at the first of the year, so I think, you know, everybody ought to join me in that. So I promise today's sermon is not about the importance of reading your Bible because I've already convinced you of that the last two or three years, right? Uh, everybody's already started their new plan yesterday, and we're going through uh, God's Word together. So that's really good. No Bible reading message in today's sermon. Um, today is a little bit different. Today is about another aspect of being a follower of Jesus that is just as important as reading what His Word has to say. Uh, and I'm going to just be honest and say it's probably a whole lot harder than uh, making sure I read my Bible uh, every single day. Um, this passage this morning comes from the book of John. Uh, it's a really interesting part of the book of John, the Gospel of John, uh, because it's, it's chapter after chapter of, of Jesus talking almost interrupted to his disciples. Uh, Sometimes uh, the headings in your Bibles will say, like, Jesus' farewell discourse. So it's just him and the disciples, they're alone, and he's uh, kind of giving them, like, the, the closing arguments uh, for what he came to do. Uh, the, the disciples, every now and then, they throw out a question, and then Jesus answers it. They go back and forth a little bit. And then right after these discourses are over, we're headed to the crucifixion. So that's where we are in the life of Jesus, the very, very end. And it's just him and the disciples uh, visiting about some really important things. Um, so I used to work. Uh, after I graduated from Ozark Christian College, I worked there uh, as a graphic artist. And the department that I worked in, that I was a part of, uh, we would go to conventions uh, and represent the college. You know what I mean? Like uh, take a display with pictures on it and go to, you know, Christian con- conferences and things like that and answer people's questions and do all the things that people do at conferences. You know what I'm talking about. And I would get to go on these things. It was honestly for me kind of a treat. I enjoyed, you know, getting out of the office and getting to travel a little bit. And I, we had this wonderful secretary that worked for the office. Uh, her name was Jill. And uh, she knew that my sense of direction was lacking, is lacking. I don't have much of a sense of direction. I get lost all the time. So uh, she would print out, you would see if you guys remember this, MapQuest directions. Do you guys remember MapQuest? Yes. I, it used to crack me up because you would go, you know, you put in the, de- the starting address and you put in the destination. It was like Google Maps, but it would print the directions. And it always made me laugh because like the first two pages were how to get out of your driveway. It was just like, oh my word, like I know how to get off of my driveway and, and, and start the trip. And then it would just give you turn by turn, you know, here's what you do when you get to this street, 
Here's what you do when you get to this street. Take this highway until you arrived at your destination. It was old school Google Maps, basically, right? That's what we all used. And we were, I remember the first time she printed those out, I just was absolutely amazed that, you know, the internet is able to do such a thing. Now we just all pull it up on our phones. But um, basically what Jesus is doing is, uh, in our passage is giving the disciples their MapQuest directions. Right? Here is what's coming. Here is where we're going. Here's what life is going to be like in the next few days. Um, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. You're going to want to open your Bibles up to John 14 and follow along with me uh, in your Bibles or on your apps or uh, whatever you need. So John chapter 14 is where we're at. Here's what Jesus has to say. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Oh, sorry, you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. All right, there's a couple things I want to unpack so far in this passage. The first is almost the blurring of the lines between God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are almost interchangeable in these passages. We're going to read how how Jesus does everything that God tells him to do, that he's totally obedient. Uh, if you want to get to God, you have to go through me. It's, it, they all have their own roles, but they are so united in what it is that they're doing. Uh, this is one of the passages that when you're trying to explain the Trinity to somebody, you know the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all three persons, one God, really super hard to explain. This is a great passage to show people because everybody's there. Everyone is represented in this passage. Um, So he knows that the crucifixion is coming, and Jesus is preparing his disciples for life without him. He's not going to be around, and he's going to ask them to continue to build God's kingdom. That's what their role is from here on out. Now put yourselves in their shoes. I think that's really important. Whenever we read a passage from the Bible, we have to do our best to understand the context that it was written in, the culture that was written in. There's all kinds of good ways that we can interpret God's word. Um, we know that from many, many passages, the disciples are expecting Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom, right? They think Jesus is at some point going to head to Rome and kick Caesar off. We're going to head to Jerusalem and get rid of the religious authority. Something is going to happen where Jesus physically becomes a king. And they think that that's probably going to involve rebellion. I don't know if the disciples were preparing you know, weapons in the background, if they were recruiting an army, but they think that Jesus' purpose, why he came to earth, is to rebel, is to set up a physical kingdom, and King Jesus is the leader of that kingdom. So there's got to be a battle plan ready. There has to be uh, an idea of what's going to happen. And throughout the course of this Uh, discourse that we're going to read, you can see that Jesus is taking their battle plans in their minds and just ripping it to shreds and saying, I have, I, that is not what I came here to do at all. Not even a little bit. 
Example number one, here's what Jesus says. The disciples realized for the first time that they are not going where they thought they were going. Jesus says, I'm about to leave, right? He's headed home to be with the Father. The Father's house has a spot for everyone. Did you guys catch that? And it's going to be great. And then Thomas, doubting Thomas is what we usually call him. Thomas speaks up and he asks the question that they probably were all thinking, which I think is great. Thomas says, can you print off MapQuest directions for where you are going? Because we are not sure where that is. What is the address to the Father so that I can put in my GPS, right? And Jesus answers with a verse that, it definitely answers the question, but it is not an address, is it? He turns everything upside down when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, so what's the destination? The Father. Jesus says that the, the point of all of this is to get people to God. And the way that that happens is through Jesus. Knowing Jesus is the same thing as knowing the Father. Jesus isn't trying to take people to Rome and set up, and set up a political kingdom. He's not headed to Jerusalem to kick out the Jewish leaders who's been corrupted and, and, and messed with God's law and changed it into something it never was intended to be. He is headed to God, and he wants to bring men and women back into fellowship with God the Father. That is the perfect little summary of what Jesus came here to do, isn't it? In one little sentence, Jesus says, this is it. I want people to get to God, and I'm the way to get there. Knowing me is how you get to know God the Father. He came so that our relationship with our Creator... The person that, the God who made us, that knows about us intimately inside and out, he knows that that relationship has been damaged beyond repair. There's nothing we can do to fix it. How are we ever going to fix our brokenness so that we can hang out with God again? Do you guys, do you sense that in your life that something isn't right? Do you sense that in the world that something isn't right? That things are not going the way that they were intended to go? I do. I know that in my life, my relationship with God was damaged because of how I lived, because of how I continue to live. I really struggled because I, a lot of times we talk about our relationship with God. And I think that to some people that sounds like we have some kind of romantic relationship with God. Like, it's based on, on feelings. Uh, that's what we mark on Facebook when we're in a relationship with somebody. That's how you announce it to the world. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure relationship is quite the, quite the right word for how we relate to God. I think fellowship is probably a better word, but that's a church word that probably people outside of this room might not understand. What does it mean to have fellowship with God? So I don't know, probably the right word is somewhere between those two words, and I'm not sure I have one of those. So I'm going to say relationship a lot, but I don't want you to think like uh, 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 that kind of a relationship, like a husband and wife. It's different than that. I know that God created me. I know that he wants to know me, and ultimately he wants to live with me. You saw that Jesus is, uh, that God is preparing a house for us, Right? But God is so perfect. He's 100% perfect in all he does. His character is 100% perfect. He's never been tempted by sin at all. 
And it's my sin, it's our sin that is the barrier that hinders us from that relationship with him. We corrupted it. We messed it up. And he's bothered by that. I kind of think that's amazing. God looks at the relationship that he has with the world, and he's upset that it isn't the way that it was intended to be. We were supposed to be in relationship with God. We were supposed to be in fellowship with him. We were supposed to take walks in the garden in the cool of the day like Adam and Eve did. So his son, Jesus, became the bridge. His life and death and resurrection fixed the problem that we have with God. He took all of, this, all of our sin, all of everybody's sin on himself. And even though he was perfect, he was killed for that. And he created a bridge between us and the Father. So when Thomas asks him for a map to the Father, the answer is, I'm the map. I'm how you get there. You get to know me and you get to know the Father. It's a package deal. Jesus says, if you know me, if you know the things that I taught, if you know the way that I've lived, then you will know God. It's the same thing. And that is a really, really good thing, church. That's something that all of us need to share with the one person that God is putting on our hearts to share the gospel with this year. I think that is, I'm, I'm giving everyone a New Year's resolution. Every single one of us needs to have one person in our mind at all time that God has said, you are to tell that person about Jesus. And we're going to be praying about opportunities for that to happen. We're going to pray for courage when that opportunity comes. And then we're going to pray that we communicate that clearly to them. Do you think that that one person that God has put in every single one of our lives want, needs to know that they can fix their relationship with God, that their relationship with their creator isn't damaged beyond all repair, that all they need to do is know about Jesus? I think that's really good news to share with people. Philip, he's another one of the disciples. He's about to hit Jesus with another question. Verse number 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Philip needs a little eyewitness, right? He needs to see it with his own eyes. Here's Jesus' answer, verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and will, they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. At, at, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Perfect example of the Trinity. Do you see everybody working together to accomplish a goal, God the Father and God the Son? Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father, and Jesus replies, don't you know me? Then Jesus goes on and says, I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. I don't speak on my own authority. God is working through me. The Father is glorified in the Son. Do you see how God the Father and God the Son are working in lockstep, completely unified in all they do? Not only does Jesus provide us a way to get to the Father by restoring our relationship, but he shows us that the Father is in all that he does. All that he is, is the Father. 
When, I, when someone that I know wants to know more about following Jesus, this is one of the passages that I read with them. I think it, it is a great passage to point people towards getting to know Jesus so that they can know God the Father. It's interesting because people who aren't following Jesus, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they have a story about how they have been hurt by the church. Sometimes they have a story about how they have been hurt by someone in the church, and because of that, they don't want anything to do with the church. That hurt has damaged how they see God. It's very, very common. It's a bummer. It might be unfair. Honestly, probably a lot of times we deserve it. But that's how it is. People think that God is like how we treat them. But I have also found that people are naturally curious about Jesus. The way that he lived, the things that he taught is so different than the way that we live and the way that we go through life that people are naturally curious They may not be ready to say that he's God's son, and that's okay. They may not understand what his job was, what he came here to do to fix our relationship. But they want to know, hey, like how does how he lived work? Is that a good way for people to live? And what's great about this passage is is if we teach people about Jesus, they will get to know God at the same time. It's like a bonus, right? This year, when you're talking to that one person that God has pointed out to you, focus on Jesus. Introduce them to him. If you've got questions about how to do that, we can, we can talk about that after the service. Verse 15, I've got a lot of scripture to read. We've got to keep going. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Capital S, Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But if you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So this is kind of the section that I really wanted to focus on this morning because this is the hard part. This is the hardest part to apply when we're talking about this passage. We talked about our relationship with God, how it's been broken, how and how, what needed to happen in order for that to get repaired. And so far, all of that is focused on what God has done, right? God is the one who sent his son. His son is the one who died and was resurrected. All that we have to do is believe. We have to go, yes, I agree. That is what happened. But from here on out, we have to do something. You guys saw it, right? If you love me, keep my commands. It's not enough for us to just say, I love Jesus. I love God. We have to do what he told us to do. And that is the part that we are not always good at, isn't it? 
I made a list, and it's a tiny partial list of things that Jesus commanded us to do. You ready? I'm not going to read the where in Scripture it comes from. If you have a question about where it comes from, you can come ask me afterward. But here are things that he asked us to do. He asked us to repent. That means that we have to change the way that we live. He asked us to follow him and go fishing for men. I love that illustration. Uh, He tells us to rejoice when we're persecuted. He commands us to let our light shine before men. That's a command of Jesus. He asks us to reconcile people that we have a problem with. Actually, he says, do that before you... Yeah, to reconcile people. He tells us not to lust, not to murder, and he says, essentially, follow all the laws that God gave us. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Uh, Ready for a super tough one? Jesus tells us to be perfect the way God is perfect. That's a command from Scripture. Jesus himself said that. Be perfect. Jesus tells us not to judge. Kids, Romanellos, Jesus tells us to honor our parents. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? You guys do a good job. I'm just kidding. You're doing great. In Luke 9, Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and take up our crosses. That's shorthand for be ready to die and follow him, follow Jesus. Uh, One time when Peter asked Jesus how many times he should forgive, Jesus said 70 times, seven times. That's how many times you have to forgive. So forever, infinite. Jesus tells us to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. That's a commandment. Uh, We're commanded to love our neighbors, and everyone is your neighbor, right? Not just the people next door. Everybody's your neighbor. I could keep going. There's tons of these. These are all commandments of Jesus. When he told us or his disciples or his followers, this is how you're supposed to live. And this is how we can evaluate whether or not we really love Jesus, right? If you love me, you will keep my commands. If we can look in our lives and honestly say, like, yeah, we're doing our best. Like, I'm really trying to put these things into practice, to, do, to live the way Jesus commanded me to live. Then we can conclude, yeah, we do love God. We do love Jesus. But if you're like, I'm not loving my neighbor, he's different than me. I'm not loving my neighbor, he is, uh, I, he is unlovable, right? I'm not loving my neighbor, he frustrates me. I'm not loving my neighbor, he is politically different than me. He's a different color than me. Whatever you uh, say, if you could say I'm not doing that, then you need to th- ask yourself, maybe I don't actually love Jesus like I thought I did. Some people really struggle with this. I do. It's hard to think. I don't know. It's just easier for us to imagine Jesus just being all lovey all the time, and that's what our relationship with him is based on. But really, he says obedience is connected to the love that you have for me. Honestly, some of the things that he commands us are impossible for us to do. Be perfect as God is perfect? Oh, my word. Can't do it. But his commands are different somehow. We don't, we don't obey these commands begrudgingly like, oh my word, fine Jesus, I guess, you know. We don't do it to earn his favor so that God will look on us and, oh, good job, you're doing your, the best you can. I think one reason why we obey is simply that it's a better way to live. 
Obeying the commandments that Jesus gave us means that we are better people here on earth. For some people, I think being a Christian is their get-out-of-jail-free card. You guys remember Monopoly, right? If you end up in jail, if you have a get-out-of-jail-free card, you play the get-out-of-jail-free card, you're out, and then you get to keep going around the board, right? Some people, being a Christian is their get-out-of-hell-free card, right? On the Day of Judgment, they mark up, march up to God and said, I went to church sometimes, here's my get-out-of-hell-free card. And God says, oh, you've got the card, come on in, right? I really think that that's what people think that being a Christian is about, that it just changes their eternity, right? But the way that Jesus taught us to live changes now. It changes the kind of man I am, the kind of husband that I am, the kind of father that I am, the kind of neighbor, the kind of pastor, the kind of everything that I am changes now, not in eternity. Look at some of those uh, commandments. They don't have anything to do with my life after I die. I don't think I'm going to have to do a lot of forgiving in heaven, right? So obviously when Jesus told me to forgive, that means now, not later. I don't think I'm going to have trouble loving my neighbor when it's a perfect paradise, right? I think that being a forgiving person now is a better way to live. How many of you have ever known somebody that likes to hold grudges? Naturally, it's no one in this room, right? But I've heard a saying once, I think this is great. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's so true. Like holding a grudge and not forgiving someone only harms me. It makes me a worse person. It doesn't do anything to the other person. So when Jesus says, forgive 70 times seven times, that makes me a better person. That brings God's kingdom here to earth. We just finished a cycle where we spent a lot of time with family, right? I, it was great. My sister my, and her husband and my two nephews were at our house. Uh, we had a blast. It was a really good time. I, we, I don't get to see them very often. They live in Wichita where it doesn't snow all the time. Um, but it was great. We had a wonderful time with family. But sometimes that means being with family. You come face to face with people that you need to forgive, doesn't it? We've all got the crazy uncle that drives us crazy, right? I have seen families get ripped apart over money or an inheritance or uh, all kinds of things like that. COVID has driven a wedge between all kinds of people in families, in churches, all over the place. And it's given opportunities for us to roll our eyes at people who think differently than us, hasn't it? Are we better off if when we hold on to those offenses and let them eat away at us? I don't think so. I think that following Jesus' commands is a better way to live. That is how we bring God's kingdom here on earth. Uh, Sidebar. How many of you guys were surprised when he asked, but Lord, do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And then it said, uh, what your Bible says, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, right? Um... Some, say, some translations say Judas, not Iscariot, but the Judas with the other, but the other Judas or something like that. They give this really long discussion. And sometimes I have to remind myself, there were two Judases. Uh, he has got another name, and uh, Thaddeus is his other name. Uh, so don't be alarmed that there are two of them. Anyway, um, his question is really interesting because it, it seems like he's just on the cusp of getting what Jesus came here to do. Did you see that? Jesus, are you going to... Sh- Show yourself only to us? Like, are you only giving us the MapQuest directions? Why aren't you going to show, like, the whole world the MapQuest directions? 
And what was Jesus' answer? No, Judas, not Iscariot. I, this is for the whole world. Anybody who obeys my teachings gets to know the Father. This isn't just for this little room of 12 people. I love the phrase where Jesus, where Jesus said uh, that God, they are going to come and make their home with the people who obey his commandments. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the restored fellowship that we're going to have with God is going to be like? He's going to come and make his home with us. I don't know. This, this sermon does, I don't have a lot of like illustrations or stories to tell as I was preaching this. I just, I found myself reading more of John 14 and I thought that's really all I kind of want to say is just what Jesus was instructing his disciples. I think his words are pretty clear. He spoke really plainly. There's no uh, parables to kind of decode and figure out what Jesus was getting at. The application is the really hard part. I, we have to obey. That's the first thing that I think that we need to do is just obey. We have to do the things that Jesus told us to do, and that's the hard part. We read what Jesus asks us to do. That's where your Bible reading plan comes in, right? We read what he asks us to do, and then we do it to the best of our ability. Sometimes we grit our teeth and do it when we don't want to do it. We do it when it's really hard to do it. We do it when we pay the penalties for doing it. But we live the way that Jesus instructed us to live. Best way to do that is to read the Gospels. Get to know Jesus the best that you can. I think that we do that by talking to other believers, by having fellowship with people, and discussing the things that Jesus taught together with other people. I need a community of believers, that's you guys, in order to be the best follower of Jesus that I can be. I cannot grow all by myself. You all are going to see weaknesses in me that I am totally blind to. I'm going to see weaknesses in you that you are totally blind to. We need a community of people that is willing to lovingly say, you need to do better here. You've forgotten this commandment of Jesus. I need you all to encourage me when I'm down, and vice versa. That's how it works. And I do not think that showing up here on Sunday morning is enough. I just don't think that it is at all. It's a start, but how often on a Sunday morning do any of us get a chance to pull each other aside and really have a good conversation where we say, hey, I've seen this weakness in you, and you need to obey this commandment better. It just doesn't happen. That's not what we're here for. It can happen, I guess, but it's a lot harder. I've got to be really intentional about it. But it's way more likely to happen in a disciple hour class. It's way more likely to happen in a small group. It's way more likely to happen at dinner at your house. I hope to convince everyone that attendance on a Sunday morning is great. Please come. We'd love to see you. But it is not enough, not even close. Being a follower of Jesus is much more about Monday through Saturday than it is about Sunday. Second thing I think we need to do, we need to do a better, we need to do a better job of explaining to others who aren't following Jesus, why obedience is important. It's kind of the hard part. I think that we need to do more than point people towards heaven. Now, we do need to point people towards heaven, but we also need to help them to realize that our goal as Christians is to bring heaven to earth, is to live a way that is just radically different, that makes people realize following Jesus like, makes sense. It's a good way to live. 
I think too often I get focused on, hey, if you become a Christian, your he- heaven is secure. Like, you don't have to worry about when you die. Well, what about the, all the years between then and now? That's the important part. That's the part that we have to talk to people and say, following Jesus is different, but it's better. The rest of the chapter, uh, and we're not going to read that. I'm running out of time. But the rest of the chapter talks about the arrival of the Holy Spirit and what his role is and all of this and, and how he lives inside of us. And Jesus says it's good that he leaves because then the Spirit will come. I think for today, just learning to obey the commands of Jesus is enough. We all pray with me? Father, I um, don't always do great at this. I need to repent of times when I fall short of living the way your son taught us to live. Father, we all do. God, I don't say that kicking myself. I say that knowing that I need your grace and forgiveness all the time for all the times when I fall short and mess up. Um, I thank you for your forgiveness. But I do ask that you would help me to obey your commands, that you would help me to teach others about your son. And Father, that you would um, give us as a church a boldness to reach lost people this year. God, there's a lot of us, a a lot of lost people. And they are around us all the time. And I think we need reminders that job number one is to teach lost people about your son. Father, we give our gifts, our time, our efforts, our talents, our energy to you, to use as you will. We pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.